Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Sobro. Sport is often regarded as a force for social good and has been used as a tool for positive change in areas like public health, social inclusion, and even economic development. But how does what we call sport for development actually work? Well, in this episode, we're going to review what we know and what we don't know about sport for development, both theoretically and practically. And to discuss this, we have a very special guest. He's published prolifically about sport for development from a wide range of different viewpoints. He's Associate Professor of Recreation, Sport and Tourism at the University of Illinois. It's John Welty Peachy. Welcome, John. Thank you very much. It's good to be here with you all today. John and co-authors Nico Schulenkorf and Patrick Hill recently published Sport for Development, a comprehensive analysis of theoretical and conceptual advancements. John, uh, growing up, uh, I remember hearing about how great sport is for the world and how it's going to solve all the world's problems. But then when I did my master's, I had sport is not the panacea for the world's ills drummed into me. Now, how does this review help us understand what's happening in the field of sport for development? That's a great question. And I think one that we debate for a long time about what is role the role of sport and development and and is there a role of sport? And and this review, you know, really looked at how do we go about um, building theory with regards to thinking about sports role in development? And when we think about programs and we think about initiatives for change, you know, we must undergird those with some type of theoretical grounding, some type of theoretical framework, a theory of change, if you will, um, or we're really not going to have effect or be effective in that. So our thinking about this article and why we did it was really to look at that why question of how are we going about theorizing about sport for social change, about sport for development? What are we doing as scholars to underpin our work? Um, Because that's really necessary for us to ever think about that connection between sport and development. Um, And to talk back to um, some of that um, evangelical rhetoric and to talk back to that discourse about sport not having a role. We have to kind of show that Theoretically, it might, or it does. And so that was sort of the impetus for um, doing this review and looking at the various theoretical approaches that have developed from the sport for development space. Um, and then where do we go from here? You know, what is there a role for sport? And where are the gaps that we need to address? And how do we build theory going forward? Why did you think it was a, a good time to, to have this article? Uh, the, the, the old historical question, why now? Well, for one, it never been done. Um, and sport for development research scholarship has been gaining traction, as we know recently, and has about a 20-year history now, although sport for development certainly goes back longer than that in terms of practice. But in terms of scholarship, you know, it's really been about two decades that we've seen that discourse in our academic journals and scholars starting to do empirical and theoretical work with regards to that. But there had never been a theoretical review. Um, And so in one way is the time is right because it hadn't been done um, and we haven't ever really looked at what is the total of theoretical discussion that's happening in the sport for development space. Um, And it seemed like after 20, 25 years of scholarship and theorizing within sport for development that the time is right to do that as we think about launching into uh, the next decade. um, As we think about how do we move this field forward, sometimes we do have to take stock. You know, where have we been theoretically? What are the major questions? And then where should we go? So that was a bit of the impetus in terms of the why now question. And of course, you've worked in, the, in some of the empirical research before as well, as, well as your right. co-authors. 
yeah, a lot of empirical research over the past uh, 15 to 20 years. So that always, of course, uh, stimulates further questions, right, with regards to why do we do things, right? And, and how do we how do we build theory? So I think uh, myself and, and, and Nico Schuenkor, my, my other uh, colleague, um, you know, we've been working in practice and in, in empirical research and scope for development for, you know, two decades. So the collaboration brought um, our thinking together that, yeah, the time is right to do that, to, to build upon, you know, practical experiences that we've had, but also all the empirical work that we've been doing. You know, it raised some questions just, I think, in terms of an impetus for the review was um, our seeing just intuitively that, you know, we didn't think that there was a lot there in terms of theorizing. I mean, we knew of some because we have developed some of the theoretical frameworks ourselves, and we knew of others, but we weren't sure if it went broader than that. We weren't sure if uh, we were seeing much theory development. Our conjecture was that we weren't. And that's what the review really borne out was that we're, we're not doing a lot of theorizing, at least building it up from a sport focused perspective, as, as Lawrence Chalup would say, from within the sport development field. A uh, majority of scholars are borrowing a lot of uh, theoretical frameworks and conceptualizations from other disciplines, which is perfectly fine. You know, I do that. We all do that. And we need to do that. But we seem to be a little bit more hesitant or a little bit more challenged or reticent in growing it out of our experiences, um, our practical and empirical experiences. It's an important point you make, Dan. You make it in the article as well, um, borrowing on, on what Chalup started making that distinction between what is borrowed for sport in, in theorizing and, and what's actually coming through sport. Why was that important when we're looking at sport for development? Well, one of the things it does in Chalup, I think would be the first to, to say this is that it helps to legitimize the field. You know, when we develop our own sport focused theory, it helps to legitimize what we do. And when we think about sport for development and all the questions about the efficacy of sport in achieving development outcomes at the micro, meso, macro levels, individual, community, societal, how do we legitimize that? You know, what makes it legitimate? But one of those ways is that we theorize from within or we build our conceptual frameworks or theoretical frameworks from within the discipline. What is unique to this context? You know, what's unique to the sport and development context, let's say over and above or as opposed to other development mechanisms? Because we all know that certainly there's many organizations doing great work in development around the world, not using sport. You know, sport is really a newcomer on the block. <laughs> um, and there's been many aid organizations for years that have been doing development work. So why sport? You know, what does sport bring to the table? How do we legitimize sport's role in development? One way to do that is we build our own theoretical understandings that grew out of the discipline. So I think that's one of the reasons why it is important that we're not just borrowing theories from other disciplines, although that's no reason to stop that. You know, we, we, we do need to do that because there are very relevant frameworks that we should be using. But how do we package those with or integrate those within our theoretical understandings that emerge more bottom up from the work that we are doing in the field. And, and to do this uh, review, you, you looked at the research in 10 major peer reviewed sport journals, and you also used to uh, understand what was happening, a mention engage apply table. So uh, is that a bit like the snog marry avoid British TV show as a theory? 
Yeah, maybe. I'm not familiar with that. So, but we, we looked at those 10 major journals, plus another one in the Journal of Sport for Development. And, and from that, we, did, we, we found about five, five frameworks that have been used that, that have grown out of the sport for development space. And then we, we searched broader from that um, using those frameworks as keywords and looked at any journal really to see how these theories that we found have been um, mentioned, engaged with or applied. Mentioned being just mentioned in passing in the lit review engaged, meaning that they were actually described in some way, applied being what we were really interested in was, were these the frameworks that undergirded the empirical investigation? Is this what the authors based their studies upon? Um, and interestingly, of the 30 articles that emerged in our final sample, only nine applied any of the five frameworks that we found, which was interesting. So of all the work that we've been doing, only nine empirical investigations really based their studies on any of these five frameworks. And so you scratch your head and say, well, why is that, right? Are these not good frameworks? Don't have any relevance to what we do? Why are we so cautious about um, doing that? So that was interesting to, to see uh, where we're drawing from. And that's where we really realized that we're still drawing from so many frameworks from outside of the discipline. But certainly that's appropriate that we're just not engaging with these five frameworks that much yet. There's, there's hope, and I think there's more work that's, that's being done with that, how we extend these frameworks, how we uh, modify them, how we look at contextual boundaries for these frameworks. I mean, there's a lot of work we can do within that, which is some of the future directions that we're suggesting in the, in the manuscript is where we can take this and how can we expand upon um, these, these frameworks and continue to build you know, our theoretical understanding from the bottom up within this space. As you mentioned, you, you found five frameworks. Can you tell us what those were, what they were and, and when they were used, how they were used? Yeah, the, the five are, which would be no surprise probably to, to the listeners here. The, the first framework that really came out of the space was John Sugden's ripple effect model. John, John is, of course, one of the most well-known scholars in, in this space. Um, ripple effect model being how um, the impact of our programs dissipates over time, the further away you go from the core. Fred Coulter has program theory, which really looks at how we go about possibly bringing about impact over time, the program components that must be in place from sport plus to plus sport, um, the inputs that we need, the outputs that we need. There's sport for development theory, which I know very well that my colleague Alexis Lyris and I have developed over the years that, that looks at five components that should be part of um, an initiative um, that, that's trying to use sport in development. Um, there's a sport for development framework that Nico Schoenkorf has developed um, that again, similar to the program theory is looking at what are aspects that are needed in ter terms of uh, bringing about change and then entering in um, the change agent as being very important. And then the newest one was by um, Schoenkorf and colleagues on the sport for health model. That's very new and really hasn't been applied yet but really is looking at more in that sport for health space. So those were the five that um, came out of the, the review. I think in terms of application, we found that uh, sport for development theory has been used the most so far to guide empirical investigations. Um, a little bit on program theory, uh, none really on the ripple effect model, and a little bit on the sport for development framework. So that's, I, 
a quick summary of some of the, the applications, the, the usages of, of those uh, theories that we found. And I'm sure you're excited to see yours was the most used and you probably said uh-huh, to Nico. No, uh, I'm sure you were happy to see all of those being used. And of course, like you say, we need these uh, theoretical frameworks, but how did reviewing this empirical uh, research and the research generally help our understanding of, of what's happening? Ultimately, what does it all mean? Well, we found, we first looked for a common, some common ideas or common ways that these frameworks help us. So we'd maybe start there and then we could talk about some things that, that we need to extend or where we push into the future with the article. So one of the ways that it helps us is it really, all these frameworks really look at the power of relationships and that's nothing new. We've always been saying that relationships are almost more important than sport. When we look at sport for development, it's the relationships that are formed between the coaches, the instructors, the leaders, and the participants that have lifelong value that extend beyond the pitch or that extend past the program and help change to happen. And all of these theories were speaking about that, that those relationships are very, very important. So I think it it reinforces our thinking about how powerful and important the relationships are in sport for development. Another key common aspect amongst the five theories was that it's just not sport alone that brings about outcomes, that we have to package sport with other aspects, uh, whether it's um, education or cultural arts or whatever it might be, that it's just not sport acting in isolation, that programs should be other based than just um, sport happening, than just going out and and playing football or soccer on the pitch. And a a third common one was was that um, sport programs, they have to be linked into broader development portfolios and agendas in communities. They just can't be in isolation. And all of these frameworks were talking about that important point, that we have to actively build partnerships and linkages between what's happening, say, with the support initiative and how does that interface with development goals of the community? What's the community doing and how does that, how are these synergies developed so that this program is just not operating in isolation? And I think one of the intriguing things that came out of it too was um, looking at Really, none, none of these theories, except a little bit sport for development theory, looked at what, what type of sport is needed to bring about what type of outcome. And I think that's something we need to do in the future. And we offered some suggestions in the article, you know, when should soccer be used versus another type of sport? Or what is one sport more effective than another? How do you match uh, sport or components with the type of outcomes that we're trying to bring about? So at this point, those theories really didn't get into that that much. Sport for development theory a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, so that was one area we identified that uh, we still need to do a little bit of work with, you know, some, some thinking about how we do that. And the other thing we found out was that these theories really don't talk about the why question so much. You know, it's sort of assumed that sport is going to perhaps do some positive good. Um, so they don't really wrestle with the why question or under what conditions sort of an assumption that uh, sport's going to have this effect regardless of what the conditions might be, regardless of what the contextual factors are. So that's certainly another room for, for, for growth is looking at what are the contextual factors, what are the conditions that uh, we need to be aware of. And so that's uh, one area that, that the, the current theories didn't really address you know, to any great extent. So those are some of the common, I think, themes and some of the, the 
the gaps that we um, emerged, you know, that kind of led us to what should we think about now or what are some ways that we could extend uh, some of these theoretical approaches? I think the idea of which sport to use is absolutely fascinating. And I'm sure it's going to spark a lot of debate too, because being a football soccer fan, uh, I would say football every time because the whole world plays it. No, I'm kidding. Of course, cultural congruence seems to be like that that might be a a really key component, but of course we need to do the research on that. Now, now John, I just want to finish up with asking you what I think is a really important question as well, based on all this is let's say you were uh, employed by a a national government, a, a sport for development program. What would you tell them to do? How would you advise them? It's a great question. Well, I I would go back to that type of sport question and really think about what are the outcomes you're trying to achieve and then think about what is the sport that's going to potentially be most effective. So let's, for instance, if you're looking at trying to build cross-cultural tolerance and say um, peace building between disparate groups that maybe don't, or historically in conflict, let's say, what type of sport should we use there? Um, One of the things we came up with or we left with in the article is that maybe here we need to think about more non-traditional offerings that folks just don't have, they're not familiar with, nobody has an advantage over. Um, So not football, right, or soccer, um, where that might privilege a particular group over another group, let's say, but but start from ground zero, where everybody's learning some new, novel, non-traditional type of uh, game or sport that sort of levels the playing field a little bit. But maybe if your goal is your social inclusion, let's say, uh, maybe football, soccer might be the best there if it's popular, if it's well integrated into society, into the community, you, we could use it as sport as a hook or sort of that plus sport model, as, as Coulter would say, to draw people in. Um, and that soccer might be something to think about in that context, if that's a goal. So that would be one. I think another would be, don't think about your sport program in isolation. Think about how you can link it and need to link it with other development initiatives that are going on in the community. What other aspects are you going to be programming for other than just sport? What are you going to be your educational aspects of your program? How are you going to provide the mentorship? So you should be doing more than just playing, you know, getting out there and play. But what are the um, instructional curriculum, the tools you're going to be using um, to bring about change? So how are you going to be putting that together? And then lastly, I'd say we need to think about leadership. And that was one of the points that we were trying to forward at the end of the article is that we do need to think about leadership in our theories of change. What type of leadership approach is best? You know, is it a servant leadership model, which we were proposing, a shared leadership model where we um, share that leadership with the broader community, involve the broader community in helping to plan, design, and sustain the programs over time, which is really important. So I think those, those leadership models are something that would really need to be looked at uh, as um, uh, governments and entities are looking at, at putting together their programs. So type of sport, linkages to broader development goals, planning for more than just sport in terms of your program, and what is your leadership philosophy? Uh, how are you going to incorporate leadership into the work that you're doing? John, I think that's excellent advice. I would hire you in a second, uh, but hopefully everyone listens to you anyway. Uh, it's been fascinating uh, chatting to you about this and uh, I think really uh, useful research, both theoretically and practically. So thanks so much. You're very welcome. Happy to be here. 
And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. At the Sport Management Review website, you'll find all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode, Sport for Development, a Comprehensive Analysis of Theoretical and Conceptual Advancements, from Volume 23, Issue 5. That's it for this episode, but take a look. There's plenty more you can download to your favorite podcast player. Until then, it's bye for now.